chapter 1. In 1972, a children's book was copyrighted and published. Some of you may have seen called Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. That's a bad day. That's right. <clears throat> Some of you, probably all of you, you know what that feels like to occasionally have one of those days where from almost the moment you get out of bed, the world is against you. And just one thing after another goes wrong. And this story, children's story book about a little boy named Alexander, his, his story begins, he, he went to sleep with gum in his mouth and he woke up with gum in his hair. He got up and tripped on his skateboard and then as he was trying to get ready to face the day, he said, I dropped my sweater in the sink while the water was running. And it just goes from one thing after another. And uh, from the very beginning all day long, this, that's what the story is about. And uh, after he goes through this, this little litany of problems that he's had, he, he says, and I could tell that it's going to be a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. And he goes through mid-morning and all the problems that he's had at, at, at school and then lunchtime and recess. And, and uh, he says, I could tell it's going to be a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. And he goes home after school and through to supper time on into the evening hours and just every once in a while repeats that litany of how it has been a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. And his mother, at the end of the day, simply says, and has to tell him a couple of times, says to Alexander, some days are just like that. Some days are like that. And it's true, unfortunately, we talked last week about born-again living, and today I want to talk to you for a few minutes about born-again living on bad days. And wouldn't it be great if being born again, you know, regeneration, coming to Christ and confessing your sins and, and turning your life over to Him and then committing to follow Him, that's that's. That's being born again, salvation. Wouldn't it be great if, if that meant that there would never be another bad day? That from that point on, it just everything would be smooth sailing and rosy. And there was a gospel song sometime back in the 70s, I think it was, that said, and now it's sunshine and roses, maybe a thorn now and then. Sometimes there's more thorns than there are roses. You know what I mean? We occasionally go through times when things are good. And we just a few weeks ago came through a series of services, a revival meeting, where we had special singing and a special speaker. And, and those kinds of times, for me at least, are often high points. They're places of a higher elevation, a higher altitude, and, 
and you just kind of rise above the, the problems of life and the humdrum of living and, and enjoy a, a better, if it seems like you enjoy a place of better victory, a, a place of encouragement and a place of strength. And when you're in those places and things are good, it, it makes you wonder, how, why was I ever discouraged? You know, how did I ever think... You know, why did I ever think that maybe God had left me alone? Or, or why, you know, why did I struggle so much uh, with the attacks of the enemy? You know, that's like Peter uh, and James and John when they were with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. They saw Jesus in his glory, in his glorified state, and they were so impressed with all of that. And, and, uh, G, uh, Peter says, oh, you know, Lord, it's great that we're here. Why don't we just build three tabernacles? Uh, you know, in other words, why don't, why don't we just stay here? Let's live here all the time. Let's be here all the time. And uh, that, you know, that is certainly appealing. But whether we realize it or not, fortunately, it is to our benefit that we can't we can't live there all the time. We can't stay on the high plane uh, of emotional experience where everything is great and everything is rosy and we're just fired up about life and fired up about living for Jesus. Every once in a while, we, we must, actually more often than not, we are in the valley. And that's where day-to-day Christian living takes place. And it's not always easy. It's sometimes, it's often difficult. Let's read these verses of Scripture from 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And may God add his blessing to the reading of the scriptures. Peter writes here to encourage people that are experiencing persecution. He's writing from... Rome, that in the later part of this letter he refers to as Babylon. He's writing to Gentile believers. These are not Jewish uh, Christians. These are Gentile, non-Jewish Christians. 
And they, because of their faith in Christ and following Christ, have been experiencing persecution. They've been going through more than just what you and I would call a bad day. You know, let's be honest. Here in the West, in America, for most of us, what we would call a bad day for the most part, has next to nothing to do with real persecution. In fact, there are places in the world where the people would be glad to have our bad days. You know what I'm saying? Places that, I mean, they're having real problems. Real Places where for them to decide to follow Jesus and be a Christian, it puts them at, at risk of losing their job and losing their families and being ostracized by society and sometimes at, at uh, risk of their lives. Most of us, we... Now, I, I will grant you that there is... Uh, the appearance in our country and in the West that we are heading in a direction where perhaps persecution for our faith may be more likely to happen. It's a possibility. But for the time being, for most of us, the rest of the world would be happy to have our bad days. Our bad days, uh, for many of us, are like Alexander's bad days, little boy's terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day, where it just seems like circumstances conspire against us. And, and uh, you know, we, we can't get our shoes on the right feet. And you go out and, and get ready to go to work, and your tire's flat. And you get out your spare, and the spare's flat. And, and you just, one thing after another goes wrong. And, and before lunchtime, you're thinking, what next? What next? But these truths can apply really to any of us because God, whether it happens through um, direct persecution, attacks coming upon us because of, of our identity and who and what we are, or whether it happens uh, through our circumstances, God is at work in our lives and it is for a purpose. It is for a reason. And he allows difficulty, he allows trouble to come to us. Peter begins his letter by talking about the life, the new life that comes through regeneration and what it brings. That's what we spoke of last time when we talked about born again living. He says that we have been born again to a living hope and to a lasting inheritance and to a loving protection. We're born again to those things. And uh, there, it, it's a wonderful reality to have that new life in Christ. Yet, as we mentioned, we don't always live in that place where we're just enjoying our new life in Christ. Uh, eventually, Monday morning comes and we're, we're forced to... Uh, get back to everyday living where the rubber meets the road and to engage life in a different way. That is, we engage life through our faith in Christ and we must live it out, even on the bad days. You know, we don't have the, the privilege, we don't have the, the right as Christians to excuse ourselves from 
living out our faith just because we have a bad day. Can I just tell you, this is not in my notes, maybe it should be. If you have a besetting sin, or if you have a particular area in which you struggle, I can tell you the times when more than any other you you will struggle with that issue. It'll be on your bad days, your hard days, because... You know, the Bible says that our hearts are deceitful. And I believe our minds, that that, uh, is tied into that. And if there is ever a time when your mind will try to trick you and make you, get you to make excuses for yourself, make excuses for sin and justify it and think, well, I'm having a bad day. This little indulgence will relieve my stress or will soothe my, my, my angst and my anxiety. And um, some of you are looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. I, I, know, I, I don't know. I know what I'm talking about. Think of an area where you've been tempted, where you've struggled to have victory over sin. And I can tell you that when you have a bad day, you will have a more difficult time in that area. Because you will try to make excuses to why it's okay. But we don't have the right to relinquish our, not relinquish our faith. We don't have the right on bad days. Bad days do not give us an excuse for bad behavior. Bad days do not give us an excuse for sin. We are called as Christians to live out our faith on a daily basis. And so Peter goes on uh, from this place of talking about born-again living and all the privilege that's involved with born-again living, being born to a living hope, to a lasting inheritance, to to a loving protection. He goes on to talk about how they have been grieved or distressed. Notice verse 6. He says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved. You have been distressed by various trials. And he begins to talk about their bad days. Now, again, I want to just remind you, the bad days that Peter's talking about, is he's talking about people who are under direct persecution because of their faith. And most of us, I'm guessing all of us, don't have any idea what that's really like, other than just to speculate what it might be like. But all of us know what it's like to have bad days. And Peter here uses some interesting words when he describes the bad days, when he describes them being grieved or being distressed. He uses, first of all, the word necessary. Necessary. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved. Seems like an odd choice of words. I mean, you know... If somebody is giving you the option of having a good day over a bad day, what would you choose? Yeah, absolutely, a good day, right. But if necessary, 
you know, okay, well, no, let's not, well, let's not have any bad days, right? Well, Peter uses this word necessary, and if you look up what that communicates to us, it communicates a, a necessity. There, there are things that are necessities by nature. In other words, just simply because of the nature of life and the nature of the way things happen, that's, it, it, is, it is necessity. It happens. Sometimes by, uh, by circumstances, sometimes by need. Um, and though I don't like to think about it, you and I need to have bad days now and again. They are a necessity to us. They are universal, for one thing. Nobody gets to live life without having some bad days. So from that perspective, they are necessary. Nobody gets to live life without bad days. Everybody has to have some bad days. They are necessary because we live in a fallen broken world. So because of the nature of the world that we live in and the nature of the people that we live around, bad days are sometimes a necessity. Because of conflicting wills, you know, sometimes we pray for people and we wonder why it seems like there's not being any progress made in their life towards God. Well, friends, we must always remember as we pray for people, I believe our prayers move the heart of God to work in people's lives by the Spirit of God, but our prayers will never move God to the point where He overrides someone's will. Their choice to choose to follow God or reject God. So we live in a world of conflicting wills, and sometimes we work with people whose wills conflict with our own will. Sometimes some of you may even live with people whose will conflicts with your will. And we could go on. And because of that, it's a necessity that we sometimes have bad days. But beyond all of that, behind and above all of that, stands the redemptive purposes of a good and powerful God who not only is able but wants to use our bad days to refine our faith. And without that, our faith in Christ and our walk with the Lord will never be quite what it ought to be. And so because of that, bad days are sometimes necessary. Bad days are necessary. Bad days also have variety. I suppose if there is a positive thing to think about bad days. One, obviously, is that we just mentioned that God works in, in His power in a redemptive way to use the bad things in our life to refine our faith and to bring value to our, to our faith. I'm going to talk about that a little bit more in just a moment. But another thing that at least we could say is good about bad days is at least they have variety. You know, aren't you glad 
for variety in life, that every day is, is not the same day over and over and over and over again. You know, even the good days repeated over and over and over and over again would get weary. We would get weary and tired of that. They have variety. This is a word that means variegated or, or all, all kinds. Bad, you know, bad days come in all sizes, shapes, and colors. And, uh, you know, you might have a bad day or a series of bad days with your health. And you might follow the doctor's instructions and work and work and work to, to take care of that part of your life. And you, you begin to recover and you begin to get healthy. And maybe you engage in a, a, a diet program of some kind. And maybe you even begin to exercise a little bit and, and uh, you, you get more and more healthy until you're starting to feel good physically. And you could wake up and you have energy and you, you, know, you go throughout the day and everything is good. And, and you think, wow, I'm a, I've about got this thing licked. And about the time you get to that point, you will start to have car trouble or something. Maybe it's not car trouble, but you know, you know what I'm saying. It's about the time you feel like you get one area of life under control. Something else is going to start falling apart somewhere else. Bad days just come in a, in a variety of forms. Bad days make us sorry. That seems pretty obvious, doesn't it? You say, duh. Notice again, verse 6. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. And, and what I, what I want to tell you about this word that we have here, it says grieved, it does simply mean it makes it makes us sorry. It gives it brings sorrow into our life. This this is a word. It's not the kind of word that just communicates. Oh, you know, I'm having a bad day, and you know, and and quite honestly, let's let's be honest. I'll be honest. For me, there are times when I you know I I'm kind of like that. Oh, I'm having a bad day, you know. And like when I was a kid, and, and mom or dad would say something like, oh, come on, just man up, stand up a little bit taller, and do what you're supposed to do, and you'll, you'll get through the day just fine. There are quite honestly some days that we just, that's all we need to hear. You know, we're just, we're, we're looking at the glass half empty, we're looking at all of the, you know, Oh, having a bad day. That's not what I'm talking about when I say bad days. Make us sorry, or they bring sorrow into our lives. The word that is used here that, that says you have been grieved by very sorrows, it's the same word that, that was used of the disciples when Jesus would try to tell them he was going to the cross. You remember those times in the Gospels when Jesus would try to tell them that he's going to Jerusalem and there he's going to be put on trial and he's going to be killed. And the disciples were grieved. They were distressed. It's, it's the same word. It's, it's, 
a word that, that communicates a deep feeling of, of sorrow. And though, as I mentioned earlier, most of us don't really know what it's like to have bad days compared to like the people in Ukraine or, or the people that are living in Florida now. What I do want to say is that all of us know what it's like to have a bad day. And, and, I, and I mean a really a bad day that brings sorrow and grief and distress. It, it's a word that means we're deeply sorrowful. We're deeply troubled by the problems that we have. <clears throat> bad days are necessary. They have variety. They make us sorrowful. They make us sorry. But if there's another thing that we can say about bad days, it is this, that they are temporary. They are temporary. Again, verse 6, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, for a little while. It, and it means just what it says. It's just for a short time you have been grieved. And if I could say something to encourage some of you who might be experiencing some bad days, or you know, and you just, you know, and some of you perhaps feel like it never goes away. This, this sorrow, this whatever it is that's brought this into your life, it never goes away. It's always there. And, you know, maybe some days the sun shines a little bit brighter than others, but even on those days, in, there's a shadow in the background. Can I just tell you, like one songwriter said, it won't rain always. Bad days are temporary. Bad days are temporary. They will eventually be gone. No more bad days. Let me talk to you about the value of bad days. The value of bad days is in their, their refining nature. Um, this is what Peter talks about here. He says in verse 7, So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire. Though it is tested by fire. This is really the biggest value of bad days, is that they have a, a refining, they do a refining work in our hearts and lives. I, I looked up and studied a little bit of the process of refining of gold, and, and I'd never really read much about it, but I'd always just kind of had it in my mind that it had something to do with heat, and, and you would apply heat and melt the gold, and, and if memory serves me correctly, slag or whatever, the impurities would rise to the top, and you could skim it off, and that's how you refine gold. I know that's, that's one way. But there are actually numerous processes by which gold can be refined. There are certain means that are used to refine gold that call for uh, chlorine gas to be used. And it, it somehow separates and, and solidifies other metals that are, are uh, not gold and causes it to separate from the gold. There are certain types of acids that can be used to refine gold. Numbers of ways. You remember we talked a moment ago about having a variety of bad days? This is one of the reasons why we have a variety of bad days. Because it takes a variety, uh, 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 you know, we have a variety of issues in our lives. 
and a variety of the work of God in our lives to purify in us what doesn't belong. But once you have gone, you know, some of these processes of refining involve almost the complete breakdown of the, of the gold material and separation of the various elements, and then at the end it is reconstituted and, and put back together. Have you ever had times in life when it felt like you were just being completely broken down and broken apart and stretched and separated. People, if that's where you are, don't lose heart. Don't lose hope. Hang on. Keep holding on. Keep looking forward. Keep looking ahead because in the end of the refining process, there is a reconstitution that takes place. God brings the things that are meant to be there back together. And what you have then is something that is pure. Something that is pure. It is a proving process. A proving process. Again, verse 7 The tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire. I I don't want to take away the value of anyone's faith. But let's just be real honest and and say, I think it's clear to all of us that the value uh, in the faith of a, say, a brand new baby Christian that's, that's wonderful that there is faith there. Thank God for that. But the value of that faith is not near like the faith of the person who has been through trouble and been through trial. And they've leaned in to God and they've leaned into His Word and God has drawn them closer and they've been refined and they've been purified. And it demonstrates the reality of their faith. And people, you and I, especially if if you are a younger Christian, if you haven't been a Christian for very long, let me just tell you that there will be times that bad days come. And one of the values of bad days in our lives is to prove our faith. It tests our faith for genuineness. And when we go through those bad times, those difficult times, and at the end of the day, we get on our knees before God and we say, God, I don't understand this problem. I don't understand this trouble, this trial, but Lord, I'm believing in you. I'm trusting in you, and I'm going to keep on holding to your hand. I'm going to keep on walking with you, whether I feel like it or not. What is happening there, friends, is that you are testing, you are being tested, and you are proving the genuineness of your faith. And then at the end, it is simply God honoring. God is glorified in that. God is glorified in that. Again, Verse 7 of 1 Peter chapter 1, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
God is glorified when we persevere in our faith in Him through our bad days. So finally, to try to bring this to a conclusion, how do we live on the bad days? What do we do? Well, simply three things. We keep rejoicing. Keep rejoicing. Verse 8, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and full of glory. Peter's talking about on the bad days here. He's talking about on the bad days. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice. Though you haven't seen him. People, there are days when I can't see God in my life. There are days when I cannot feel his presence very near. And it seems as if he's far away. And I guarantee you, if you are here in the sound of my voice and you've tried to live very long at all for God, you have had those days as well. And friends, what we do on those days is we search our hearts. We say, Lord, is there anything wrong? Anything, any unconfessed sin? Is there anywhere where I've, where I've stepped outside of your will? And if God shows us something, we repent, we confess, and say, Lord, help me to do better. And, and then we keep going. We keep serving God. Say, Pastor, will that bring the feeling back? Maybe, but most likely not. What you do when you understand that you, know, you realize as far as you know, your heart's clear, you're walking in the light, you're trying to mind God, then you keep going, you keep walking, whether you have the, the warm fuzzies or not. You keep walking, keep rejoicing. How do I, re- don't, don't I need to feel something to rejoice? No, you don't need to feel anything to rejoice. We rejoice in truth. We rejoice in reality. And friends, truth and reality are what they are, whether we feel anything or not. And the truth and the reality of our faith in God through Jesus Christ is is simply that. We have believed that what God promised, He has performed, we've confessed, we have done our best to walk in the light. And that means we are a child of God. We belong to Him and to His family, whether we feel good about it or not. Thank God for the days that we do feel good about it. But on the days that we're having a bad day and we don't feel good, just keep rejoicing. Rejoice in the truth, whether you feel like it or not. Keep believing. Keep believing. This is, some, this is an area where so many people, I believe, go down the wrong path. Is Because we have a bad day and, and we struggle at times, we begin to question our faith and wonder uh, and Depending on who you listen to, you know, there are some preachers out there that will tell you if you, you know, if you really have the faith you ought to have that everything will go your way and, and, you know, you'll have wealth and prosperity and you'll never be sick and all of this. That's not true. That is just not true. So if you have a bad day and you've searched your heart, you've examined yourself to see that you're still in the faith and you've done business with God and you made sure your heart's still clear before Him, then, friends, you keep rejoicing and you keep believing. Again, faith, like rejoicing, is an action of the will. You choose to do it. 
And then you keep going. You keep going. History has provided us with numerous examples of people who learned how to live the born-again life, even on their bad days. Beautiful lives, lives that give beautiful testimony to the grace and power of God. One such example is this lady. Her hands got to the point where they were so gnarled and twisted by arthritis that she was unable even to hold a pen. She had to use a, a thick crayon or a, or a stick of chalk to write with. And boy, did she write. She would write on a surface suspended over her bed where she had to lay. As a young woman, she had hoped to become a concert pianist, but in her late 20s, she was diagnosed with arthritis. And by the end of her life, she had shrunk down to where she was only about four feet tall. <clears throat> this lady, her name was Annie. She experienced this life of more bad days than good. She was born in Vineland, New Jersey on Christmas Eve, 1866. Her mother died giving birth to her baby sister, and she was four years old on that day. By the time she reached six years old, Annie's father had died from an incurable disease, and so a Christian family later adopted her and her sister and raised them in a good and a loving Christian home. Annie flourished in this new home and recognized how fortunate she was to be loved by the Flint family. She met the Lord at a Methodist revival meeting and continued to grow in the Spirit. She developed a love for poetry and aspired to be a composer and a concert pianist. And Annie was thrilled the day that she realized she could express herself in verse, in rhyme. She was a pretty girl with dark eyes bright against her clear olive complexion and her black hair fell in curls around her beautiful face. She was kind-hearted, and those around her enjoyed being in her presence. She was self-reliant and independent and economical, too. She sewed her own dresses and was a capable housekeeper. She graduated from high school and went on to pursue a career as an elementary school teacher. But in her second year, she was deeply afflicted with arthritis. At home, she was the caregiver for her ailing adopted parents, but a few months after her own diagnosis, her adopted parents died, and she was left alone then with just her and her sister. Annie's arthritis grew steadily worse to the point that she was unable to walk. She visited doctors only to receive the verdict that she would eventually become a helpless invalid. Later in life, she was unable to open her, her hands at all and could no longer write, but continued to compose many of her poems on a typewriter using her knuckles to tap out the letters and the words on the keys. From this grief-stricken life, one marked by great suffering and loss, came hymns and poetry that has blessed people around the world, even to this very day. Her words were placed in gift books, and card publishers printed them in greeting cards. In 1919, she published her first book of poems, 
called By the Way, Travelogues of Cheer. Can you imagine someone living that kind of life, writing a book called Travelogues of Cheer? Annie would be the first to tell people that she sought healing, but in the end, she was thoroughly convinced that God intended to glorify himself through her in her weak earthen vessel. Her personal life verse was, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. By the time she came close to the end of her life, she was completely bedridden, suffered, had suffered long with incontinence. She had to be surrounded with, with pillows, and her body was nearly covered with bed sores. Her words have an unusual appeal to the human heart, especially those who struggle sometimes through bad days. Annie uh, felt what she wrote, and out of her suffering, she was able to comfort others. On September 8, 1932, she felt very tired and slowly moved into eternity. She is buried in Clifton Springs, New York. Annie Johnson Flint, though she struggled and suffered, she knew what it meant to live a life where she kept rejoicing and kept believing and kept going in spite of her struggles. These are some of the words she wrote. You you know some of her writings, whether you realize it or not. She wrote in our hymn book, the, the hymn, He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. She also wrote these words, God hath not promised skies always blue, flower-strewn pathways all our lives through. God hath not promised sun without rain, joy without sorrow, peace without pain. God hath not promised we shall not know toil and temptation, trouble and woe. He hath not told us we shall not bear many a burden, many a care. God hath not promised smooth roads and wide, swift, easy travel needing no guide, never a mountain rocky and steep, never a river turbid and deep. But God hath promised strength for the day, rest for the labor, light for the way, grace for the trials, help from above, unfailing sympathy and undying love. Praise God. Let's stand together.